0: In this week's episode of Farmer's Inside Track, we're connecting with a young agripreneur from Queenstown in the Eastern Cape, Masimbonge Vuma. He runs a mixed farming enterprise called Inyebo Agri-Cooperative, where he grows spinach and breeds poultry and pigs.
1: And in our health, Squid Agri Update, agricultural economist Dr. Krupas Lopesha and Marcella Roux, the sales executive at Agility Agri, unpacks the Health Squid and Agility Agri way employee well-being programs. It's a must for all future-focused farmers.
0: Twenty-seven-year-old sportsman turned private chef. Koenga Ambinda shares his secret to a perfect home-cooked Mzanzi meal. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis.
1: On top of our reading list this week is a book titled Side Hustle From Idea to Income in 27 Days by Chris Gillibow. The author shows us how to launch a profitable side hustle in just 27 days.
0: And our weekly AMT fresh produce outlook on the market with agri economist Dr Johnny van der Merwe is a must for any agripreneur. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi, inspiration for your business and life from South Africa's farmers and
2: agripreneurs.
0: Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 55 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Umdu and you're listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast. We're actually on our second last episode for 2020 and it's been quite a year and it's been a roller coaster for all of us and I'm sure we all are looking forward to a great break over the festive period.
1: And I'm Duncan Masuwa. Yes, yes Dawn, what a year it has been, hey. We went from 20 plenty to a full-blown global pandemic. But hey, in spite of that, it's been a great year, especially for agriculture. But continuing on our trend of introducing you to the movers and shakers in agriculture, this week we check in with Massimungwe Vuma, a young agripreneur from Queenstown in the Eastern Cape. Today in our farmers segment here on the Farmers Inside Track, I'm chatting with 23-year-old Agri from Queenstown in the Eastern Cape, Masimbongwe Vuma. Masimbongwe, welcome to the show and how are you brother?
3: Hello brother, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I hope you and everyone listening to this at home is doing well under this pandemic we find ourselves in. Thank you for having me on this show. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here and having this chat um, with you. And I hope this will be a very insightful conversation. By the way, for the record, I am, I'm from Dala, not Queenstown. For me, though, it's still the same thing, but I'm from Dala. And I hope everyone from Dala will be very happy to hear this. Bam, I'm from Dala.
1: Now, Chief, you were recently featured on Food from Zanzi, and, you know, people were going crazy and the article is still trending. And I think what people loved about your story is that you are this young man, bright, and, you know, already so early in your journey, you had so many pitfalls, but yet you continue to push forward. And the story is, of course, available on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. But uh, for those who have not read it, who is Masimbo and what does he do?
3: Let me first say I was very shocked that so many people related so much to my story. And the comments, the calls, and the DMs across all social media platforms, you know, I really, really appreciate all the love and the positive feedback from people. And I hope that my story motivates more young people to pursue agriculture and be farmers so that we can fight hunger and poverty together. This is one of those professions that is considered to be for old and uneducated people, and that is so not true. But for those who did not have time or who did not see the article last week, Masumbuanga is a young farmer from Dala doing mixed farming and focusing mainly on poultry and crop production. Uh, We are supplying our produce to Spar, Boxer and you You know, I started this journey in 2018 without having any prior or formal education about farming. You know, the little bit of success we have is the result of many trials and tribulations. We've made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot from those mistakes. And they say if you're not failing, you are not succeeding. And that's exactly what we did. We failed and drew lessons from those failures.
1: Now my guy, we hear all the time of new entrepreneurs who started a business with so many mistakes. Now of course you have not been pardoned, you know, for making a couple of mistakes yourself. Tell us a bit about
3: What do I even begin with failures? As I said earlier on, we've made a lot of mistakes. We started doing uh, poultry production. We wanted to grow broilers and sell them for meat. From the get-go, we we bought a wrong breed um, from a wrong supplier. Because we knew nothing about uh, different types of breeds, the guy sold us a wrong breed and we're stuck with it. And we lost money because no market for the bread that the guy sold us. Another mistake that we did was to underestimate the amount of work needed to kickstart the business. We thought it was going to be a walk in a park and it didn't. You know, farming looks mighty easy when your plow is a pencil and you are a thousand miles um, from the cornfield. So um, unless you have a lot of passion about this, you are going not to survive. You are going to give up.
1: What would you say were some of the biggest lessons that you learned in all of that?
3: Biggest lesson or lessons, especially when you're just starting out, uh, will be to develop a thoughtful plan. Um, Successful farming operations, you know, are based on diligent planning. Our first uh, poultry farming business didn't work out well due to simply not having a well-thought-out plan on what goes into proper preparations when you're starting a poultry production. Also, you need to seek some advice from already um, established farmers so that you can minimize the amount of risks that you are going to make as a farmer who's just uh, starting out. Also, you need to identify your target market. You know, things like how will you find a sustainable cost customers? What will you do if they buy all your farm produce? You know. What if they don't buy your produce at all? Because it happens sometimes that you have you produce this amount of cabbages or this amount of carrots and no one is interested in buying them. So how will you maneuver in those situations? I think those are the biggest lessons we took from those failures when we started out.
1: Now, many new farmers or those who are considering to get into the sector are afraid and they delay and they delay because there's, there's something called fear of failure. What nuggets of wisdom do you have to share with that person listening right now?
3: I would say to those people, the secret to getting ahead in farming and in any business for that matter is getting started. have nothing to lose and everything to gain even if you crash and burn and lose everything the experience will be worth 10 times the cost you know to close farming is one of the most rewarding ventures today but it takes good planning research training and constant adaptation to changes to be a successful farmer as one old farmer once told me There's no better refined group of people in this world than those who call themselves farmers. So don't let uh, the fear of failure hold you back.
1: One thing that definitely stood out for me when we first spoke was that, you know, you love reading, you were a lover of books and you believe that whatever challenge or problem one faces, it's okay because the answer or answers is written in a book somewhere. How has agricultural education or books helped you shape your agri-journey?
3: One of the advantages of reading books is that everything you read fills your head with new bits of information. And you never know when it might come in handy. You know, I've seen that with me on the farm. The more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to tackle any challenges you'll ever face. For me, personal reading has helped me to have a better judgment about the things that we do on the farm. But I must emphasize this. Knowledge is of no value if it is not applied. So one must always apply and do practically the things they read in books. As
1: part of our farmer's interview, we ask our guests one or two quirky questions. And of course, I've got one prepared for you today. But I know that you're a poultry and crop farmer. But if animals could Talk. Which animal do you think would be the rudest? Which one?
3: <laughs> I think I will go with pests or pesticides. Farmers will agree with me on this one. You know, if you are growing tomatoes, a pest called white fly will give you sleepless nights. <laughs> and if you are growing cabbages, catworms will harm you financially, emotionally, and physically sometimes. So, I will go with pests because all the animals that grow on farms, we make profit out of them. But pests take profits out of your bank account. So I will go with pests.
0: That was Masimbonge Vuma, a young agripreneur from Queenstown in the Eastern Cape.
1: Coming up shortly, the latest movements in the fresh produce markets. But first, Dr. Kurbas Loopscher, agricultural economist, and Marshall, Larue, the sales executive at Agility Agri, unpacks the Health Squared and Agility Agri Way employee well-being programs.
4: Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kurbas Loopscher. He is an agricultural economist and independent consultant at Agility Agri. And I'm also joined by Marsha Larue. She's a sales executive at Agility Channel. Welcome, Dr. Lopesha. Great to have you with us. Welcome, Marsha. Hello, Dawn. Thank
5: you very much for the opportunity again.
4: So over the past few weeks, there was a very strong focus in terms of our health squared and agility every way. Chats over the past few weeks around future-focused farmers who consider the well-being of their employees and they understand it as being an overall plan that they need to have in place. To succeed in their business, and it's a position that they find themselves in that they need to develop to be able to grow in this industry. Dr. Lopesha, maybe I can start with you just to speak broadly around wellness and the importance of wellness within the agri sector and why farmers
5: should consider it. One have to take a step back in terms of what is happening within agriculture, especially in the market. So. During the lockdown, we sort of, you know, deprived of development that was very exciting in terms of how we prepare ourselves to be more competitive. Now, being competitive doesn't just mean you have the right price, the right product, and the right place. What is constantly being increasingly important is how, you know, what are the environments you're coming from? Not just in terms of the physical environment, but also the people side of environment. And we, and we are able, and especially because of social media and the fact that we are digitally empowered now, you cannot hide in terms of what you do. So when we then present our products in whatever market, the buyer has the choice. You buy apples from the Western Tech, follow through in terms of environmental adherence, compliance, and also the well-being of the people, or they can buy an apple from any other part of the world. And that is what we need to do. So we have to look in terms of a, of a holistic approach in terms of the total well-being. Now, importantly, farms are driven by people. You know, the farmer and his team. Without them, there's nothing to, to do. There will be no problem. There's no optimization as far as that can. so You cannot replace all people with machinery. So having said that, is how do we then equip enable our people in a team sort of uh, arrangement to do what is required from them, you know, to make the farm work, And the farm will work if we can sell our products
4: competitively any place in the world. Marsha, you understand it better than both Dr. Lokshu and I probably understand it. In terms of what offerings are specifically available and more specifically what Agility Agri has to offer in terms of solutions that farmers can possibly tap into, what do we look for and what are some of the key objectives when it comes to the Agility Employee Wellness Solution?
6: Don't I have to agree with Dr. Gribas when he said that your employees are your most important capital in your business, and especially on a farm? And it becomes more and more evident that employers are seeking a solution for the well-being of their staff and very specifically, why are we looking at these choices when we are in an employer situation? It definitely reduces absenteeism. It really also gives a higher productivity because these individuals have opportunities and access to benefits that really enhance them as an individual. I will get back um, to those benefits, but also when you have an employee well-being solution as the one that I'm going to mention it also identifies and manages that human capital risk that you could be exposed to, and with all these benefits, reducing the absenteeism, improving productivity and also keeping your employees healthier for longer, it definitely comes back to that term of becoming an employer of choice, but also for the employees to feel that they are being valued by you in terms of what their requirements would also be from a well-being perspective. So looking at Agility Agri and our Agility Employee Wellbeing Program that we have, the benefit and the very big positive is that when an employer, a farmer and his staff belongs to a or squared our medical aid, they do get a portion of our employee well-being benefits as a complementary, and it's definitely a core aspect within the well-being of employees, where we can then have a look and assist them with the psychological aspects that they could encounter, financial distress that they might have, but also legal. And we've seen with these Black Swan events, we've all been faced with one of those three. And it's very difficult sometimes to speak to an employee about this because we do uh, have a concern about our safety in our job if they find out that we have these Issues that are causing a presenteeism aspect of me being at work, so giving them access to a twenty four seven helpline where you've got professionals that can deal with psychosocial aspects, give you advice financially and legally. This is definitely something that enhances the employee's well being, and they feel that the employer have created an opportunity for them to speak to somebody that's professional and can assist them in these times. I think the
4: biggest thing to also consider. Marsha would also be whether the cost outweighs the means, like is it worth it in the long run? Dr. Loksha, do you agree that an investment now and adapting and changing to incorporating well-being and wellness and awareness about the health of, of the employees on your farm is relevant and how do we sort of change the conversation around farmers and agri and agriculturists, even starting to
5: think about it at all? Labor in agriculture is cheap and readily available. Actually, there's an abundance of labor. Now, if written look at the latest figures, we said yes, employment leveled up in the latest quarterly statistics. That may be seasonal drilling, but hopefully we'll be able to maintain above 750 people employment in agriculture. But that's the statistics. What is now needed, and Marsha rightfully referred to the fact that it's seen that. A farm is different from any other place in the market. Let's step back again. We're talking about a value chain, starting with a farmer pivotal in making decisions in terms of sourcing inputs and getting it on the farm and then producing beyond the farm gate. It's a value chain per se. What we try to do is, is the fact that farmers are remotely operating doesn't seclude them and their employees for what they can do in cities, so that's very important. So, when we talk about the value chain, don't just see the farmer on his farm as an individual, shying away from the realities. My view is that on a farm, the start of the value chain wants to start and treat your people as your nearest neighbor, extended family. That's how I grew up. My late mother was organizing that, you know, ensuring that the people gets to the hospital, gets to school, you know, the clinic, whether the farm. We need to re-establish that because we need to take hands. And once that's been done as a given, this is not an exception. This is a sort of so, so to be standard. Once you have those facilities, then you can add on what agility then can bring to the table. Is yes, order, monitor, monitoring performance assessment and get see what do you get into it, you get your money back in terms of what it's not about spending and saving on people's life. you get empowering a different work, you know, establishment on farms and within the value chain. So sometimes agribusiness business will argue, okay for so right, this is not my cup of tea in terms of what's happening on the farm. And that's not correct because he, the agribusiness, business, with products coming from a farm, and as I indicated earlier, is what, when it comes from, is going to count more and more and more, you know, and, and, and that kind of difference is very important to treat it. We must see it, and we must treat it, and once treated with the right tools, I think we can enhance competitiveness on our farms.
4: I think the one thing that stood out for me there, Dr. Lobscher, sure, is the empowerment. People sort of often overlook that. When you empower people, their contributions is more valued and they that- they they feel part of this community, like you so rightly said. And now, in terms of the specifics, maybe I can get into the specifics with you, Marsha. What exactly does the solution offer employees on the various on the farm and in terms of services and support? You mentioned earlier there's a phone-in service, but what else is there? And I know that it includes health, emotional well-being, and all financial independence. So maybe you can
6: tell us a bit about the features. What does the core program and comprehensive program actually do? As I mentioned before, as a member of HealthSquared or Agility Agri, you will automatically have access to our EWP core program, which is the 24-7 assistance line for psychosocial, financial, and legal advice that you can get. But then we can also look at it from a risk management perspective and tailor-make it specifically into what the farmer is looking at or could be concerned about. A nice thing that we can also do is a trend analysis and provide the farmer with a specific reporting structure that can identify certain risks from a claiming perspective that we can see the farmer having possible risk in future. So the other part of our EWP program, our comprehensive program, specifically focuses on that, where we can then pinpoint exactly what the farmer requires and what assistance from that perspective will come. And this will be in the form of examples such as a VCT campaign that we can run then for the employees on the farm, HIV counseling with treatment and management thereof, of absenteeism management and identifying what the root cause of that is, and then putting measurements and mitigations in place to definitely reduce that that trend that we're seeing, and then preventative screening that we can do, biometric reports that we can do, and also then management consultations to assist even those individuals that are responsible for the employees from a human resource perspective, how to identify these kind of risks, how to use what we've incorporated from employee well-being program to them to really get their return on investment, but most importantly, for the employee's well-being then to be enhanced through these wonderful benefits that we have. So Dawn, in a nutshell, we can customize it exactly for what the farmer requires. It's not a one-package-fits-all, as Dr. Quibbs mentioned right in the beginning of the session, So it's really identifying and having the opportunity to sit with the farmer, understand what the requirements and the needs and possible challenges are, and then building something as a partnership with the farmer and creating that employee well-being on a proactive scale rather than a reactive scale.
4: Thank you so much. That wraps up today's discussion. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We look forward to chatting to them again next week. This is the Health Squared Agility Agri Update here on Food Form Xanti. Great day to you. Until next time.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Kobus Lopesha, Agricultural Economist and Marcia Leroux, Sales Executive at Agility Channel. Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe
6: using grain chickens. Oh, Mom, this
2: is amazing!
6: You can't go wrong with a 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain chickens your number one choice. Grainfield Chickens. From the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za
1: From Farm to Fork, right here on Farmers Inside Track, we now check in with 27-year-old sportman turned private chef Mwenga Mbinda, who shares his secret ingredient to a perfect home-cooked Mzanzi meal in Yama. Meat! (laughs) But of course, you'll also be empowered with a top tip from our nutritionist, Andrea Duplessis.
5: Hey Mzanzi, I'm Chef Gwenga.
3: We cannot deny the truly South African treasure that is meat. As an African person, meat plays an integral part in bringing our families together, especially for for certain masters in our lives, like Mbeleko, Lalo, or when we get married traditionally. Brides also bring us together, and I can mention a few meat-based dishes that are linked to our different ethnic groups and
2: cultures. The nutrition topic for today is meat. Now, if we look at health and wellness, meat plays a very important role in providing our bodies with important nutrients. First of all, protein, but then also looking at minerals like magnesium and iron. If we look at red meat, for example, the healthiest options are usually the ones with the lowest fat content. For example, a lean fillet steak of beef. Obviously game is also very lean and ostrich is also a very good red meat option. So those meats specifically I would rank healthier than the high fat meats. And why is that? Because the concentration of protein and those important minerals, such as magnesium and iron, are higher in the lean cuts of meat. Because with the fatty components, you don't find any protein and those minerals are also absent. So when you buy meat, a healthy guide is to look at the pieces of meat with the lowest visible amounts of fat which is very clear to see, the white bits. So the more of the red meat one can see, the more you'll be able to get those very valuable nutrients. Enjoy!
0: Thanks for joining us, Chef Mbinda and Andrea de Plessis, for more great proudly South African recipes and, of course, even more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa. Visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Zanzi and use the hashtag Farmers Inside Track. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Zanzi so much. We're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.
1: On our reading list this week is a book titled Side Hustle from Idea to Income in 27 Days by Chris Gillabau. The author shows us how to launch a profitable side hustle in just 27 days. In a YouTube video, Gillabau talks about why he decided
2: to write this book. Because they didn't necessarily have this intent, like I'm going to start a business, or I'm going to get an MBA or whatever. And around that time, there was a lot of a lot of books and a lot of focus on traditional startups, like the Silicon Valley model. And all these people like had nothing to do with that. Like They were in their own little space. And also, a lot of the advice that applied to traditional startups didn't really apply to them. And so, I felt like nobody was telling that story. Nobody was telling the story of like ordinary people who found a way to like make a good living, quit their jobs, you know, perhaps by doing something that they loved and using the skills they already had. And so for me, I kind of wanted to chronicle that and not just chronicle it, but also kind of show people like, okay, here's how you can do it.
0: Sounds like a definite read for anyone who wants to start a little side hustle. I'm definitely going to get my hands on it. Remember to email your book suggestions to info at foodformzanzi.co.za. That's info at foodformzanzi.co.za. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an Agricultural Economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much,
7: Donan Duncan. As mentioned, I'm Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, and welcome to this week's Fresh Market Overview made possible by Standard Bank. The rand remained very stable over the past week, trading at 15 rand 16 per US dollar, with uncertainty continuing for the dollar, with new COVID restrictions imposed in the US and Europe. America's economic recovery is also expected to slow down, with the pandemic spreading worldwide again and creating uncertainty for the dollar. The latest Brent crude oil price traded on $48.48 a barrel. But with that said, let's go and see what happened to the latest vegetable prices over the past week. This was a very unusual year for the market, making it very difficult to discuss expectations for the festive season. Usually we see a significant shift in demand from the inland markets, such as the Joburg and Swannu markets, to the coastal markets in Durban and Cape Town, with people going on vacation, of course. It is not clear to what extent this will happen this year but it is still expected that coastal market prices may be supported over this period last week the potato price traded 11 percent higher on 55 around 56 10 back with higher demand supporting these prices the price may stay on this level for the coming three weeks as expected tomato volumes increased significantly last week resulting in the price to decrease by 30% to 4.78, with many production areas still in play. Higher demand can support prices over the festive season, but for the coming week, we're expecting prices to trend upwards. The carrot price increased last week to 2.96 per kilogram with slightly lower volumes. We are moving into a traditionally higher price scenario due to higher demand, which can support prices over the festive season. The onion price decreased by 1% to 3.75 per kilogram due to volumes increasing by 10% week on week, especially from the Northern Cape production areas. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 1.90, garlic on 34.55, spinach on 2.37, and sweet potatoes on 7.38. We have seen pepper prices coming increasingly under pressure due to volumes that are 61% higher than last year. Currently, the price is 40% lower than a year ago on 7.41 per kilogram. Looking into the fruit market, most prices came under severe pressure last week due to very limited demand and the availability of a wide variety of summer fruits, which is creating a lot of competition on the markets. However, this week there seems to be some life in the markets again, which is supporting some prices. The banana price traded on 6.82 last week but can gain some momentum over the next 3 weeks due to some backhouses that will close down for the festive season and volumes that can decrease on the markets. Transport can also become a limiting factor over this period. Although apple and pear volumes remained limited, apple prices decreased by 2% to 821, while pear prices decreased by 4% to 10.5 cents due to limited demand it is expected that these prices may trend upwards over the coming three weeks. Orange prices increased by 10% last week to 8.23 and is expected to stay on this higher level over the next three weeks. Although the avocado price decreased by 7% last week to 26.75 per kilogram, it is still expected that this price will stay on a higher level and even increase at least until the end of January next year. Higher table grape volumes last week resulted in the price to decrease by 30% to 27 rand and one cent per kilogram. This price is expected to stay low due to high volumes over the next three months or so. The mango price traded 49% lower on 8 rand 97, pineapples on 11 rand 32, peaches on 16 rand 50, lemons on 8 rand 51 and the latest blueberry price upwards on 39 rand 63 per kilogram last week. Check out our weekly grain and livestock overviews, which is also available on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Also make sure to stay tuned to Food for Mnzanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank. Back to you, Dawn and Duncan.
1: Thanks, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. Dawn, that's a wrap of another great episode. Remember to our listeners, if you love the podcast, share it with your friends, your family members, and fellow farmers. The Farmers Insight Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.
0: Please stay safe out there, everyone. And remember, you still need to wear a mask. Also, visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye. <music>
6: You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast,
2: supported by Foodform Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.